Hi, I'm Chris Marie. I'm so glad you're listening. In conflict, do you ever walk on eggshells, avoid sharing your honest opinion, or even hesitate to say no? Well, no more. Susan and I created a speak up kit just for you. It's an easy to use, proven step-by-step process to find your voice and reduce your stress. To learn more, go to thriveinc.com forward slash speak up. That's www.thriveinc.com forward slash S-P-E-A-K-U-P. Hi, I'm Chris Marie Campbell. And I'm Susan Clark. And today we're going to talk about the paradox of control. Because of course, and we're, we're going to relate this to business, to health, to relationships, and people might be saying, well, of course you want control in everything. What's, what's wrong with control? But there is a downside to too much control. I know a lot of people don't like to think of themselves as controlling. So, you know, <laughs> there will be those people out there listening, but that's not me. Uh-huh. But the reality of it, almost everyone I talk to is often trying to get control over something, either themselves or someone else or, you know, a situation. situation. So let's face it, we are pretty much all about control, whether you (laughs) want to admit it or not. And you could, you know, just think of this as you can't totally relate to it. Just imagine there's something you're trying to control in your life. (laughs) And the reason it's coming up is because there's so much uncertainty. There's been uncertainty these last few years with COVID and social justice issues. And now there's the Ukraine crisis and there's a lot it's created now going back into the workplace and people are having issues with a hybrid work environment, all sorts of things that create more of a sense of out of control, the uncertainty, which the, the what we do is then try to control it more. Right. And that's really where a lot of angst is created. And, you know, we pretty much tap into this issue whenever we talk about conflict, because inevitably conflict is one of those situations where generally speaking, people want to get control of the situation. We actually get brought in a number of times because well, there's this conflict and we need to get it under control <laughs> might be something we hear. Which, you know, is a that's a natural, of course they want to get it under control in a business setting. Can we make this go away? Mm-hmm. And we were just talking to a leader who were going to do a two-day offsite and he had a fair bit of anxiety of like, well, how is this going to work? How are we going to get to a solution? And what Susan and I have both learned, tell me where I'm wrong, Susan, is we have a process that we put in place and we have experienced a myriad of situations within that process, but that's the organic part of it. There's this structure and then you kind of have to go with the flow and respond and be present, which is feels more vulnerable, the opposite of what control is. Yes. And having that conversation with a leader up front is sometimes challenging because inevitably they're like, but I want to know the outcome. Mm-hmm. We all often want to know the outcome. I sure do. Well, <laughs> and really, you know, one of my mentors used to always say, well, this, if you really just want to know the outcome, you're going to die. Oh, wow. There, okay. Yeah. So it's like, there you go. <laughs> you know? That's the ultimate outcome. <laughs> but we actually talked about that in that book we shared before earlier around the weeks, um, 4,000 Weeks, 4,000 weeks, weeks. Uh, time management for mortals. Yeah. And again, that this was a key component of that as well. But because we have such desire to think that we were in a battle against time or to get or a battle against getting control or not getting control. And that has so plays so heavily into how our system, our think of if we think of ourselves as an energy system. 
you know, trying to control that energy actually leads to fixation and rigidity, which whether it's fixation physically, you know, uh, or emotionally, mentally, spiritually, anytime you're in a place of fixation, it's not going to, that tightens things up. It doesn't last. It's not going to stay in that state. Well, it doesn't allow growth and movement. You bump into rules or what's right and wrong. And that fixation is, so what starts to happen even in the body, there is a stiffening in the physical system. You can see this when we work with people in a more personal setting, you can watch how people have protected themselves. And if they've are far enough along in their life, or even if it's become a medical issue, like let's say MS, there's the the stiffening and the it's just hard to see them move in a lot a lot of ways. Right, and you know things that progress to the point in that it becomes a disease. Mm-hmm. Uh, generally, it's a longstanding pattern over time that has become more and more fixated and rigid. And of course, it's not a simple matter of you created your illness or you created the problem, but there is this pathway of thinking about it from a a more holistic, you have a way to be in response and in movement with your body or not. Mm -hmm. Um, Same way. I mean, really, whether we talk about somebody's body in their health or a relationship. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) Because, you know, we're we're kind of bringing this up how it relates to disease and illness, but we see the same patterns in marriages, in partnerships, in where teams, teams, the patterns have gotten there. And sometimes we are more comfortable in suffering because it's familiar. And we know that we can predict it, even if it's a bad prediction. <laughs> and that is more comforting than letting go of control. Well, and it becomes, uh, uh, our brain is a pattern recognition machine and it really creates like what we did today 80 to 90% is going to be recreated tomorrow. Those that we've developed neural pathways and they become like super highways in the brain. And it's just easier to go down that super highway than have a new response. Yes. And, you know, I also, I mean, this came up too for me recently because I've been, you know, doing some different sharing different times about my book, Crazy Cracked, Warm and Deep. And she was on a radio show this morning, (laughs) sunny in Seattle. It's a great interview. We'll put a link to it in this podcast. But the the whole idea, when, as we were talking, this idea came up about using breath and breath work. And, and, you know, I was jokingly saying, you know, yeah, science has finally caught up and people get that breathing is a good idea. (laughs) And, you know, what's interesting though, is that there's all these things out there about how to breathe techniques for breathing. And again, nothing wrong with techniques. Don't get me wrong here, but sometimes a technique is just another form of control unless, you know, well, yeah, it's just can be another way to control it. Versus? Versus, I just remember, and I was saying today, you know, what I walked away from that initial come alive with was just lay down and breathe, drop your jaws, because Drop your jaw is one of those things that allow it's that big muscle that let, starts to let go of control. And even if you don't believe me here, it's breathing through a slightly open mouth. And yes, your mouth will get dry. <laughs> yep. You'll get over that. Yeah. <laughs> but the idea being just lay there and breathe. Don't do four counts, three counts in this, that, the other thing. And every once in a while, don't try to do long inhales. Just notice, pay attention, maybe try a few things, but then that's only as good as if you do it and then track. What do I feel? Where do I feel into my body? 
And just that simple act of eight to 10 minutes of breathing without any key focus or, okay, I've got to get 10 breaths in. I got to, you know, I think that is, I think why, so eight to 10 minutes, that doesn't sound bad, right? But what starts to happen when people lay down to do it, when I've laid down to do it at times in the beginning, at least it was like, oh my gosh, I got to do something. This feels, you know, there is that sense of vulnerability because I am letting go of control with that jaw Mm -hmm. opening. And we suggest you put your feet flat on the floor laying down as just to allow the energy to flow. But that it's kind of like allowing my life energy to flow untapped or not untapped, but uncontrolled. Yes. You know, and these types of practices, Breathing is one of them, but it's almost even like dancing out of control yeah. or Krishmari's in a hip hop uh, <laughs> dance uh, performance. performance right now. And this also came up because she was talking to me about the control piece. Stuff. Well, there's a, there's a certain level of, you know, we're learning a dance. We have to focus and have the discipline to learn the steps, do the moves together, practice over and over and over again until the body gets it. And on stage, when I go out on stage tonight and I have the last couple of nights, it's there's that and there's the energy of my aliveness that comes through the dance, which is equally as important. And that's much more organic and in the moment and being present, less control. So there's control because I know the form. And I think anybody who does things well, you have to practice. This comes up in my acting. I have to learn my lines, learn my blocking. And then there's that moment of connection, which is what creates the... In the scene, you know, that people feel versus the rigidity of just doing the moves. And you can tell a dancer that's like alive in their body that that's so exciting versus it's very neat to watch somebody who's technically good, but if they don't have enough oomph of their own. At some point, yeah, yeah. to come back to that moment of just presence or connection. Yeah. Which, which isn't something you can control. control. <laughs> yeah. But, so and, and that's what's, that's what we mean by the paradox because mm-hmm. there is this need and an importance to having some structure some order some path that supports you in being able to then actually let go yes. of that control that's so funny because it is it's the structure so that i can let go it's the same thing when we facilitate that what we were saying like we have this process and it's a structure and so very concrete and then within that Different people are, you know, different things come up. It's an organic process. And, you know, I think so often we are striving for, okay, I could let go of control if I could have some certainly of the outcome. (laughs) You know, like I will do that if, you know, and yes, sometimes it is. I mean, that's, I know I remember once also being told by probably the same person actually (laughs) um, that yeah, you want to believe in something. You want to commit to something and go for it. Like, it's kind of like the the notion of play the game you're going to play and play it as though you can win it. But then in it, there's this also this thing about, but it's not about that, Mm -hmm. you know? And that's that letting go of control. And you know, this may sound crazy in business because of course in business, we want processes and procedures. We want to be able to predict and know our revenue and how many widgets we're going to pop out and how many widgets we're going to, people are going to buy that we're constantly looking for ways to control the outcome so that we know we're going to be safe. And again, there's that level of, well, processes and systems are great. And then if you over control then you get into bureaucracy or slowing down or hierarchies or uh, there's a deadening. Yes. I was thinking, you know, right now we're, you know, we're working with an, with a, a variety of different 
smaller businesses, I guess. And so we've been using some software to support those businesses because it provides some of that data and science and people data. Yeah. Yeah. And, but it's so, you know, it's, I, I hear the push to, well, is that, that should be the answer then. And it's like, no, this comes to support everything else you're doing. It's not the thing that's going to fix it. It's like a spreadsheet won't fix it. Yes. But the spreadsheet will give you information. Yeah. You know, same way, you know, we talk about that in communication. Like we have a model that mm-hmm. we think is useful, but if you use it as a rigid, this everyone's got to do it this way, it's not, it's not a very useful model. Right. I mean, it, it does help though for you to practice using it to get to clarity. But if you want to get to certainty, it's not particularly helpful. It becomes a weapon. <laughs> you know. So. Now, th- there's another way in which I'm currently becoming aware of my methods of control because there's many, uh, when we have uh, what's called a limbic system impairment, there's your limbic system, my limbic system is on red alert all the time. It's overreacting to situations. And there's these these pathways to the past, which are really all about control, whether it's pushing, uh, piling on, I'm going to do one more thing, trying really hard, trying to get everything perfect, analyzing why is this happening to me, comparing myself. All those are basically the limbic system trying to get control because it's scared. And it's learned, if I do this, then I'll be okay. But it really creates a stress response in the brain. And that's cortisol, adrenaline, norepinephrine, which really doesn't allow us to come up with the best solutions or even feel good. We're always futurizing, fortune telling, or lamenting about the past, and we're not in the present moment. And one of the things that one of the key pieces, and they relate this to research with uh, patients with OCD who get into a brain lock, they just cannot move on, that they've shown that if when in that worry, dread, you know, control state, if they shift their focus on pleasurable feelings, things that feel good, they can actually watch a brain scan and see, oh, my brain starts to work again. And so much, so many more options come up. But it's so hard in the moment when I'm stressed, I want to get control. I want to do one more thing or push. And to actually take the opposite action feels like, oh my gosh, I'm letting go of all sorts of control. But it's building new neural pathways in the brain and really creating a lot more clarity. And it's amazing, but it's so hard to let go of that control and choose a different path. Yes. I mean, you know, that's just it. Again, whether it's within your own being, like mm-hmm. your neural pathways, or whether it's in your relationship, or whether it's in your business, the it's not easy to let go of control. And mm-hmm. way too often, people stay in a place of suffering because it's familiar instead of, okay, I'm going to try this. And not, you know. And I think it's because that our limbic system, which it is, it's a good thing. It's designed to keep us safe, but it's it's usually basing thing on your experience on past events, not in the present moment. So it's the one that's saying, no, no, you should be very, very afraid. No, no, you should, you should do all these things to, you need to keep control. And it's, it's actually using the prefrontal cortex or as in Jill Bolte-Taylor's even character four, a, a different part of the brain that can see more holistically mm-hmm. and know, you know what, right now I'm just sitting in a chair, talking on a microphone and sitting next to you, Susan. And like, there isn't all these scary monsters that are happening. And that's the shift that Mm -hmm. it takes. I I was going to say, it takes 
a certain level of control in a certain way of like, oh, I noticed this and I'm going to make a different choice. I'm going to let go of control in this situation. That's the paradox. paradox, It's, you know, like to take a breath when you're facing the scariest thing you can imagine does not seem like a good idea. Like, you know, (laughs) and yet actually probably whether it's the lion about to bite you or falling off a building, if you took a breath, you'd probably be better off than if you didn't breathe, but we don't, you know. Um, and normally we're not, not facing yeah. tigers or falling off buildings, but it, but our brain is saying, hey, that this situation is that. But even, I think about it, even in something that is, I think about this probably takes me back to some of my cancer days or even the idea of like times I've been in excruciating physical pain. The idea to breathe isn't natural. No. Even, even faced with something that's, like this would be something I does not seem like a good idea right now. But like I'm driving, sliding in ice, probably better to take a breath than to not take a breath. Normally what yeah. we do is stiffen and tighten. <laughs> yes. So, you know, um, and I think that's important, like, because it's so counter to what we are. And breathing never takes long. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm amazed at how many times someone says to me, I don't have time. And I'm like, really? I don't think so. You know? Well, you can breathe and multitask. It's, it's the quickest way to actually connect our our brains down into our body, into our lungs, which has a lot more wisdom than just this, certainly the limbic part of the brain. And it brings the prefrontal cortex, which is that executive function, which can actually see more options and come up with more options. Yeah. So, I mean, we're bringing this up because there are so many different things that we now have access to to support us in helping us live more fully in good health and in relationship and all of those things if we try to control them too much they actually become rigid and we do them too it's like that control factor still needs to come into play and i think i think about like a lot of times or what's happening in a larger client we're working with they're doing all these wellness surveys and everybody's wellness is really low and i can't i i you know i can't have any time for myself and the idea is you actually have to change your behavior and break the habit of always saying yes or saying uh getting on that 6 p.m. meeting or that 6 a.m. meeting and like oh i have to i have no choice and you do have a choice, certainly there'll be a consequence, but being able to choose boundaries and take charge really of your own schedule so that you do feel, ironically, if that's the right use of the word, in control of your own being. Mm-hmm. You're at choice anyway. And mm-hmm. so, you know, you have some sovereignty, you know, you have a choice over what you're Well, I think do. that's what so many people think. I have no control over my schedule. I have to do these things. And I have said those very same words. So kettle black, um, <laughs> call me. She still does. Yeah. <laughs> so, but it's recognizing, no, Chris Marie, you actually do have mm-hmm. a choice. You can say no. Certainly that other person will be disappointed, but you get to set those boundaries. And I, you know, I think what you bring up is that place of uncertainty that we are so uncomfortable with because anytime you exercise your ability for choice, you, you know, if you're just, you really can discover whether you're about control or not, because if the person you've decided to do that with, be it your boss, be it your partner, be it gets upset and you're like, okay, see, I had no choice. Then you're kind of, it's like, okay, you were trying to control them because you can't control their response. You can only control your own ability to stay in connection 
to yourself and to them, even if they are upset. This is so my learning edge is to set my boundary and live in my discomfort of your reaction, Susan, or a client's reaction or or a family member's reaction, because I think, oh, I I think, Chris Marie, tell me where I'm wrong too. It's, it's like sometimes <laughs> even when we're doing these sort of go with the flow podcasting recordings, sometimes I think, you know, you might, you're so quick to do that, to watch, to see it. How's, what's my response? Am I sitting back? Have I disengaged? Because that you track the environment so well, which is something that has made you great at times. And I think it's really hard for you if you say something and I don't seem to have a positive response. <laughs> you true. you go to, I've done, you either go to, I've done it wrong or you get mad at me. One of, probably more often. Which make one, myself wrong. Yeah. yeah. And there's such a, it's so hard sometimes to just, wait a minute, it's just me over here. I didn't like it, but I bet you somebody listening thinks it's just bang on. Or maybe I did like it, but I'm spinning around my system. Yeah. And I bet you other, you people listening, you can relate to this because mm-hmm. we all do it. You know, watch for what's the response. Oh my gosh, my life is <laughs> like, so in the, in the stress brain, when we're in a stress response, that limbic is on red alert. We're trying to control our bodies, the environment and time. So anytime I'm, yeah, control, control, control. But those three things like, oh, oh, I don't have enough time or are we taking too much time or I better hurry up, all those different things. And it's so true, Susan, I lose my sense of ground and I'm okay if, because I'm tracking, are you disapproving of me? Mm. You know, what's happening? Those looks out there, like even on Zoom, some people are like, oh, I can't look at myself. And I'm like, oh my God, I can't look at all those other people because <laughs> they may be disapproving of me. I'll just look at my square because I'm safe in my square. You it's know, so bizarre. And I, you know, it's interesting because I know that is true about you and I know it. And I also know from talking to you and even interviewing you recently about your experience rowing that you do know that felt sense of getting into a flow, which is really presence. Yes. Where all of that drops away. And it is, you're not paying attention from the standpoint of right, wrong, or anything else. You're just in full, you're what they call in the field, in the flow, in the, yeah. you're connected to everything. There's not the barriers that. I have a felt, have. yes, I have a felt sense of that with rowing. I have a felt sense of that when I'm acting. This last play, I was really like the audience just dropped away and my scene partner, I could connect there. And I have, even when we're working or speaking, because mm-hmm. I have a connection here. And there's that part of my brain that, you know, from a very young age, learned to survive by looking for smiling faces and, and <laughs> avoiding the angry faces. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what that, those are the remnants that I'm unwinding out of my system. Yeah. And I think that is true for a lot of us. We have these things that we are trying to come to terms with. And the key is it's not about necessarily getting fixed. It's about getting present. And that's a very different place. Because as I said earlier, you're not going to get out of here alive. You, you know, but but you can actually stay in each moment and show up the best you can in it. Yeah. And I guess it's, it's breaking the habit of that outside because focusing on the outside and even in this dance performance I'm doing, if I'm focused on the audience, I'm like, oh my God, do they like me or not? Versus if I'm in my body and connecting to my dance team, because there's there's 10 of us and then I feel very alive. And the same thing in acting. If I'm connected to this, Tony was my scene partner. Like I'm connected there. I've got a location. I think that's why I like working with you 
as a duo is because I know I have a connection here and that really grounds me and I feel settled. Whether they, <laughs> like the the company or the audience. Or you a know, couple. You know, yeah. You know. It gives me a, a, an ability to stay more present. I think my connection with you or the dance mm-hmm. team and yeah. So I'm being incredibly vulnerable on this. You are. <laughs> I want credit. Okay. You, <laughs> oh, there we go. Oh. I know. <laughs> I know. I'm not going to say anything, but sit in that stoop. <laughs> so hopefully you've gotten something out of this. And the key about the whole thing about control is don't make it right or wrong, but do notice and just know that sometimes it actually is a helpful thing. Sometimes it's not. See if you can get present in the choices you make. Yeah, it's not right or wrong. It's noticing when am I over controlling and when do I need to be in control Mm -hmm. because it's appropriate. But it's the other is not. It's hurting me or the outcome. Okay. All right. Well, listeners, notice when you're trying to control and when you're not (laughs) this week. Take care. Well, thanks for joining us. We hope you found today's episode valuable. If you want to take some of what you've learned on today's episode to the next level, check out our new step-by-step, easy-to-use team kit to get your team from avoiding conflict to discovering the beauty in conflict. Go to www.thriveinc.com forward slash team kit to learn more. That's www.thriveinc.com forward slash T-E-A-M-K-I-T.